This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode number 50. I am Joe Darnell, and with me is Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer. Hey, how are you doing? I'm back. Yeah, I was just grabbing some tea. Hot tea. Top of the evening to you. A little bit healthier than my normal bourbon, so... Oh, my wife has a hot tea right now, too. She asked for the honey lavender. See, my, my wife usually drinks uh, bourbon when she's pregnant. Really? Okay. No, no, it's not true. <laughs> e- I was going to say, either way, that totally explains everything. <laughs> it explains my children. <laughs> All six of them. Uh, with us is also our guest. We have Joe Coyote back. Welcome back, Joe. Gentlemen, glad to be here. Glad to be back. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, you're busy over there at Diagnostics and Usage for 5 by 5 You're up to, you're about neck and neck with us, actually, for podcast episodes, right? Actually, we're about to release our 60th episode, uh, probably by the time you listen to this. Okay, because, yeah, yours usually comes a few hours before mine. I, I cannot ever <laughs> catch up. I'm always 10 episodes behind. I'm going to have to start, you know, increasing. Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> We're not increasing. We're actually in the process of um, switching gears to one episode every other week because we're trying oh, okay. to build something nice and big in uh, the month of April. So while awesome. I'm working on that big project, lesser episodes until we're back to a normal routine. Joe, you're going you're gonna to start lapping me again. It's going <laughs> to come all the way back around to zero one of these days, get to 100 and yeah, reset. We'll, we'll reset our numbers for you. Mm. <laughs> now you uh you've uh, recently changed job paths there in new york city anything worth mentioning there career-wise yeah i uh i now work for a company called WeWork. um they're they work in shared co-working spaces um and uh yeah it's a nice career change it's a little less it related what i've been doing um so yeah i'm excited so uh it related or less it related you say yeah, less IT related, more kind of systems administrator related, more high level stuff. Ah, okay. Adding some skills. Good for you. Yeah, exactly. Kind of adding some new uh, skill sets to my uh, tool belt, so to speak. Mm. Nothing uh, nothing new over here. Actually, there's a lot over here that's going on. I'm right now in the process of learning some PCs. I haven't used PCs in a long time, but... Uh, I have this uh, side gig now where they use PCs running Windows 7 for uh, Adobe Premiere editing and, you know, Adobe After Effects editing. It's been a few years since I've worked on video projects, but I'm, uh, it is second nature to me. So much of my life was consumed by video projects in the past. I'm picking it up in no time. What's throwing me for a loop, though, is the PCs that everything is different and everything is the same. <laughs> it's it's another language, but it's also reminiscent of where I left them with Windows 98, but also really not. And it's it's like some ways it reminds me a little bit more of the Mac setup. I don't know if you uh, notice that kind I of thing. I feel like if I had to switch to a PC tomorrow, the biggest thing that would take uh, time for me to get used to is keyboard combinations. Cause like I've so, I'm like so used to so many Mac keyboard combinations and I got my command space for Alfred and I have all of these things kind of second nature and set up that I would feel really lost without those. And it would take me a big adjustment period yeah. to get used to those. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know any windows PC that has, uh, a trackpad as good as a trackpad on a on a portable Mac, um, so that would also be something that would kind of uh, give me some troubles. Uh, but it, I have to say, I have to give Microsoft some credit; they redeem themselves from Windows 8 uh, with Windows 10. Uh, apparently, it's a lot better, um, and they tried to bring more of the Windows 7 uh, style back into it. Uh, but uh, you know what? It, it doesn't hurt to learn another system. You know, you were talking about the trackpad. Uh, the computers that I'm working on, they have such terrible keyboards and mice. I'm thinking I'll have to invest in some of my own. But they have to have the <laughs> Windows key to make them authentic. So I'm in yeah. the market for a good design-centric keyboard. If anybody listening wants to make a recommendation to me, like, hey, this is a rock-solid you know, PC keyboard, check it out. I'd be glad to check it out because... I need some I need some input here. I don't know anything about these tools. 
Now, Joshua, you, you're stuck with, what is it, Windows XP or something like that? Back oh, no, 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 no. We've got uh, Windows uh, 95. We've got, <laughs> oh, Windows, we have Windows 98. <laughs> we have Windows XP. And recently I had to install VMware on a Windows 7 machine to install Windows XP to run a specific program. So I've got now nested Windows. Wow. Uh, and yes, I do have a, a machine with Windows 95 for a specific purpose. So yeah, that's wow. the hell that I... <laughs> oh wow well I, I i don't have anything to complain about then <laughs> yes no you don't <laughs> well the tangentially related to this is an interesting video that came out today from uh, a young man james rath on youtube he has been making youtube videos for a little while and i wanted to mention him because tim cook pointed out his video and it's really good and then i saw after i had reshared it that joe you also shared it and it's it's interesting. It's very compelling. I'm really impressed by what he was able to do. Yeah. So this really it was so well done. Um, and after I watched the video, uh, it reminded me of a lot of things. So when I used to work in Apple retail, uh, we actually had someone who was visually impaired um, and had a guide dog with them at all times. And they were an employee and they were, um, they were a great uh, addition to the team because they when when someone else who had accessibility needs who came into the store, they were really able to speak to it. Um, and then later on, um, this person actually got to meet with Tim Cook and C Cupertino um, and give him their input about you know what is lacking in accessibility right now um, and what iOS and macOS could improve in accessibility. Um, and uh, now you know, now I'm seeing someone else reap from those benefits from that feedback. It, it's just a, it's just a phenomenal story you, through even my time at Apple. I still didn't know you could do some of the stuff that James did. Um, and, and some of the cool things like, uh, like as simple as zooming in the camera while you're on the street. So you can see the, the street sign from, a, for, you see the walk symbol from across the way. I just thought it was a phenomenal story. I recommend everyone to watch it. I think it was, it was inspiring. It is clever. And he's just thinking about the tools in a very different light because he, he needs everything enlarged. So he's using them for very practical purposes. Like, well, I know there are people who use notification or what is it? Not notifications, but the tap on your wrist for the GPS, uh, you know, tracking when you're we're going. Around yeah, the town. taptic feedback. Taptic yeah, feedback. Yeah, and he uses it just for navigation, so that he doesn't have to ask strangers where to turn next when he's at the street corners. And it makes total sense. Like, I think I would too. And. I'm sure he's not exclusive in this, that a lot of the people with the same kind of disabilities would think the same way. And it's really impressive. I got to tell you, what struck me, though, especially cool about him is that he produced this video with his visual impairments mm -hmm. using the Mac devices. Uh, I, I'm not sure by the looks of them, but I would think based on the footage that a lot of this was probably shot on his iPhone and all of it was edited in Final Cut Pro or, uh, you know, iMovie. Yeah, I mean, w another thing that Apple doesn't get credit for as much as they should is they really jumped on the accessibility train early on. Um, they they didn't have it there from the start, um, but they've had these features in Mac OS X and iOS for for now for a very long time and one thing that they don't seem to do is they don't seem to just say oh we're content every ios release from seven to eight to nine it, there's always new accessibility features they may not show them off in the keynotes but if you kind of go through the release notes of when that os comes out they're constantly improving and it's really based on the customer feedback um and i think like if there's any customer feedback that's the most important to listen to it's the accessibility feedback um and uh yeah i mean kudos to them yeah good choices on their part i had a friend when i was in grade school who had a f battle with cancer and after surgeries he lost most of his eyesight and they gave him a huge monitor like this where he could put the homework underneath this camera and it would, you know, what do you call it? Not enlarge him, but 
it magnify, magnify yeah all of the paperwork and and also computer screens and i remember just how difficult everything was for him then that was 20 years ago i, I think it would be really awesome to see any child coming along with this kind of thing and james got this later in life like at the end of all of his education imagine how you know we think about ibooks and all these other practical educational tools being handed for just everyone without disabilities imagine the people in school that could use these things with disabilities to much greater effect be much more useful i would like to see just these kinds of tools offered to more people like james that are younger that i mean because it would make a deeper better impact i think that'd be really awesome yeah and i think when apple you know when they come out with you know, low-end devices, you know, this is another use case, you know, for young kids and, you know, parents who want to get their kids devices and, but they don't want to get them a super expensive device, but they see the value in getting them something. So like I, I could see Apple catering kind of these low-end offerings um, as a benefit uh, for young kids who really want to learn and they, they don't want to feel out of place with, you know, huge, huge magnifying glasses systems and software uh so that i could definitely see that being a big help for them i work in an engineering office and and we have a, a young lady just got out of college that has uh you know I, I honestly don't know exactly her eyesight issue but but she's constantly staring at the computer screen with this tablet looking thing to magnify everything and works as hard as anyone else and pretty inspiring to, for for her to be able to do the stuff that we do uh mm. with that with that handicap so and she's pretty cool interesting well, this segues right into our other topic then. The main topic for this episode, I wanted to talk about how we use our devices. Thankfully, we have a lot of Apple gear and we, we've we all here experimented with the Macs, the desktop Macs too, I think, and MacBooks specifically, uh, iPhones, iPads, and Apple Watches. So I thought we could all speak to these different things. Uh, even Apple TVs. I mean, we, we've got it made, guys. We're, we're ready to do a podcast about technology. Oh yeah. We're, we're prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so in particular, I was thinking about this the other day, Joe, how <clears throat> we have all these devices and you can use them in tandem, or you can be one of those people who uses just a Mac or just an iPhone or just an iPad and an iPhone. And there's been a lot of debate lately of, should you value the Mac ahead of the iPad or is the iPad Pro actually catching up with the Mac and serving as a potential iPad, uh, a Mac replacement? And I suspect a nice discussion here would be to talk about the practical ways that you could use these different tools in, as combinations. What would you do if you had an, a Mac and an iPad? Could you do some things with the one that really suit that device and other things on another device? And what are those things that we would use our Mac for versus our iPhones and our iPads and watches? So I wanted to break down like the different combinations of. We've all used an iMac or a Mac Pro at one time or other. Absolutely. I just got my iMac two weeks ago for the first iMac I've used. Cool. For the, for the purposes of our general discussion, I thought it might help to just refer to all the Macs as Macs, including MacBooks. But if there's a particular reason you think that the MacBooks shines apart, you know, from the Macs, the iMacs, that'd be cool to discuss that as well. But also the same thing goes for the iPhones. There's so many different kind of makes and models now. I feel like lumping them all in together is just the iPhone. I don't know. I don't feel like we need to break them up into subcategories of iPhone, you know, fives or, you know, six pluses or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are certain use cases with a desktop Mac versus a portable Mac, where sometimes you can make arguments for one over the other with, with companion devices. But yeah, especially for iPhones, they're generally they generally serve the same purpose. I think the iPads have now kind of diversified themselves with the pro versus the standard. Um, and there may be different use cases for that, but that's the thing there, the combination of different Apple products, it's such a great combination and there's so many different types, but it's interesting to learn what everyone uses their Apple products for, because generally it, it doesn't really mirror another person's setup um, and how they use it. Kind of my feelings and setup with my Apple products have changed over time. I used to be really heavy on the iPad and now I'm not as heavy on the iPad. Okay, well then let's just start there. Why were you using the iPad to begin with? 
So I was using when the first when the iPad we wanted to call it an iPad 3 but I think they just wound up calling it the iPad and then eventually it became the iPad with retina display <laughs> I, I think I think actually to begin it was called new iPad and 6 months later they yeah they called it the iPad with retina the one that was replaced after six months or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah, I have that one too. <laughs> that was my first iPad. I fell in love with it. The retina display was beautiful. I just went all in on it. I got that iPad and I wanted to be like Federico Vitici, try to do everything I could. And I did that for a very long time. But then I updated my Mac and then I kind of fell in love back with the Mac and its power and and how like there was just certain things I can accomplish faster with with the Mac versus the iPad. Yeah. Um, and then I wound up not really updating my iPad. I updated it one more time to an Air. Mm. Um, but now that's kind of where I'm sitting at. I have the original iPad Air 1. Now it's more of a put it on the couch and read some Insta paper articles, watch some movie trailers. It's kind of downgraded in priority for me. Mm. And how about you, Joshua? You actually just bought some more iPads and <laughs> you also have the iMac and you're, you also got other Macs. But. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of went crazy this year with with Apple. I mean, I don't even want to count how many dollars I spent, <laughs> I guess, maybe last, last year. But uh, yeah, I had the third gen uh, iPad too and... and uh, I don't know. I never really got a lot of work done with it. It was definitely the sit down on the, on the couch at the end of the day, you know, read the Instapaper or just peruse social media, that sort of thing. Uh, and it, I guess I slowly used it less and less. And then the kids kind of took it over and then it got cracked. And now there's uh, literally a piece of duct tape holding it together. Uh, so now that's the, the little kids iPad and the, I, I've mentioned on the show, I don't want to repeat the older ones bought their own. And uh, yeah, I went ahead and got, an Air 2 for my wife, and a Mac and an iPad Pro for myself. So I'm still, you know, trying to feel it out to see, you know, what I'm going to use it for. Uh, it's just, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big iPad, but it was, it was quite the, the upgrade from the uh, iPad 3. So hmm. uh, I'm definitely enjoying it, but, but I, I agree. The, the Mac, I, I'm just too old. Uh, I, <laughs> it is, it, you can just get stuff done on it so quickly. So. I'm, I'm wanting to, you know, keep my head in the game and, and look forward to the future. And iOS is definitely that. And so I, I want to continue to, you know, persevere and learn all of the, the new apps and keep up to date and that sort of thing. So I don't become a curmudgeon. What I like about the iPad the most has been the reading experience. And I think that that's where it still shines today. Next to that, like second to that would be the mobile gaming experience because you have all that extra screen real estate, a gesture across the screen takes a different amount of movement from your hands and fingers. It's just a little bit more interactive in a fun way. Whereas the iPhone, though it totally works, it's gotta be more on the go. And it's it's usually a shorter spell that I will play a game on an iPhone. I, hey, I've got pretty good eyesight, but when I use it on the iPhone, when a game has rich graphics and all, it's it's all so scaled down that you can't appreciate as much of the detail. I remember a few years ago, I pulled up a couple of the multiplayer games, like the the first-person shooter type games on the iPad, and I was playing them. And after a while, if you're like you know directing your character one way with one thumb and you're you know, using the other one to shoot different kinds of weapons and switch out from bows and arrows and who knows what, it can get kind of fatiguing. And so I just eventually put the iPads down and got back to my Nintendo. Mm -hmm. But it's still, I think, a more enjoyable gaming experience. But these days, it's mostly the gaming experience for my kids. So it's nice if I have to, you know, have them around, around supper time. I want them to get away from the basement, you know, where they would like to go play or they're going outside. For whatever reason, it's a nice escape. It's nice to give them the iPad and they can play away. And we can, you know, observe some Pac-Man and Tetris and uh, oldies even on the iPad these days which is uh, pretty fun together. And like I said earlier, like you mentioned, Joe, it's nice to read on the iPad. I don't do it as often as I might or would, I would like. If I'm actually going to sit down and read a book, I would prefer to use something like a Kindle or an iPad because I can use highlights and notes and bookmarks out the wazoo. It's so easy. I don't have to think about where's my highlighter pen? Where, oh, where's my bookmarks? I'd only read a book maybe like once every two or three months. And so I never keep track of those kinds of things. I don't want a junk drawer for all of our pens in the house. 
So I prefer the fact that in iBooks and in the Kindle apps, you never have to keep track of those kinds of tools. You just want to highlight something or you want to copy and paste something. It's pretty easy to do it now. It is readable enough that it's, and it's comparable enough to a physical books page that I'm really not missing anything from the tangible feel of a physical book. And the main reason for that is, yeah, a paper book feels nicer to the touch, but there are plenty of times when I don't want the, the lights in the room to be so bright that I can, I can read a page comfortably with the lights all on in the room. And so I like a backlit display so that I can, I can uh, you know, walk anywhere in my house and when the lights are off, I don't need to turn them on just to continue reading. So when I am deep within my Insta paper queue, I can walk from my basement office up to the kitchen to get a glass of water without turning the light switches on everywhere and turning them off as I go along and keep reading. It's pretty, it's pretty comfortable for the little things like that, the little touches that just make it a bit more practical for the reading environment. All right, so let's take a break now to thank this week's episode's sponsor. This episode has a sponsor for a change of pace for our show. It is brought to you by the Focus app, the simplest way for anyone to write a task list, check it off, and focus better using the Pomodoro technique all at the same time. We interviewed Jan a few weeks ago, the developer behind the app, and he and I got into a great discussion. I've been using the app. I paid for the app. And I just think it's fantastic. And now I've been using it on the Mac as well, and I couldn't be happier with it. So I'm really thrilled that Jan is supporting us. Start refining your productivity by visiting focusapp.io. FocusApp has one of the most user-friendly interfaces I've ever used, which makes it possible to plan, sync, and track my way through timed sessions of focused work and short breaks that remind me to get up from my desk and refresh myself. This helps me stay alert throughout the day without unhealthy dependencies on caffeine. And if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, which Focus App's implementation of the Pomodoro Timer facilitates. The Pomodoro techniques solve many issues for me, like my need to stay alert for long spells of concentrated work and my effort to stay physically fit even with a desk job. The five-minute breaks are a good time for me to do a few push-ups and go get a glass of water. And because Focus App has support for notifications and sync across Mac, iOS, and watchOS, I can start focus time of work with my mouse, extend a timed session when I want to stay focused longer from my wrist, or take that break and extend it with a tap on my phone. Focus App is as flexible as it is systematic. It takes the learning curve out of the complicated productivity methodologies that you find from so many other tools it just leaves you with this streamlined tool that's beautifully designed. And if that wasn't enough reason to check out the Focus app, it sports a notification center widget and an Apple Watch complication. It's even available on your Mac's menu bar, or you can turn that feature off. So if you're looking at the app, you can start and stop time to work sessions and breaks like the minimalists do. You don't have to rely on the Mac app though for all the full feature set. Now, if you just use the Mac version though, You'll have the other bonus features like hotkeys and the dark mode. If you're like Batman and you like to have all of your gear colored in shades of really dark gray. <laughs> and if you want to know what you got done today, you can view a list of all your completed tasks and have the peace of mind that you want all from within the tool. This productivity tool is indeed keeping you on track. Focus app starts at just $6.99 for the iOS version. So download it today to show your support for Tectonic. My thanks to the Focus app developers for supporting this show and keeping our mics on. <sighs> awesome. <laughs> so then I think Apple did a really good job at the beginning of just explaining why the Mac and the iPad are not really competing for each other's same space. Well, the way I see it is, so when all these devices were in their kind of first generation stages, so you had the Mac, then you had the iPhone, then you had the iPad, and then the Apple Watch. And I think some people were justifying a reason to get all of those products, and they justified a specific task that they were going to do for each of those products. But now it's not that simple. There are people who are getting iPad Pros as their main device, and then an, maybe an iPhone 6S 
as their secondary device. Um, or someone might go with a plus because they want that kind of tablet experience and they may not even have an iPad. They may go with the iPhone um, 6S Plus and then they may jump right into a, a either a Mac Portable or, or an iMac. And I think that it's definitely harder to really say what's an ideal combination because Apple has really made a market of products where you can really customize what you want to your liking. I mean, of course, like something like with an Apple watch, um, the functionality is the same, but they've, they, the style and the look they've, they've given you really, a really good amount of options. Um, but I think that's what's fascinated, fascinated to me over time is Apple hasn't really pigeonholed you in a particular category to, to accomplish a particular cast, uh, a task. They're just saying, you know, here are all these devices and we want you to be comfortable with the ones that you think will get the job done. Yep, I, I agree. There, there's so much overlap, which is why I struggled for so long to upgrade anything, and then I went on a binge in the last year and just got everything. So uh, I don't know if that was their strategy to make everything so good. Good, you just need it all. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. But I, I hopefully won't have to upgrade for a few more years, and then I'll the same thing will repeat around 2018. Hmm. <laughs> so then, where do y'all feel the iPhone fits into all this beside the iPad? or not related to the iPad, like so many people have gone with not having a tablet at all, just staying with a iPhone. The iPhone is, is the indispensable uh, uh, widget in the, in the cog or the cog in the wheel. I don't know. I mean, it's a bad analogy, but that is the indispensable thing. It, that's the thing that's always on me from, you know, post shower to bedtime, you know, the, the watch, I forgot the watch today. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, obviously I'm not sitting down on my iMac all the time and, and I'm not even sure where my iPad uh, is right now, but my phone is right there. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of one of those things. So I think the iPhone is the uh, is the pinnacle device at this point. Hmm. Uh, it can yeah. do nearly everything. Yeah, I agree. I think the iPhone is kind of your constant. Um, and I think one thing that people are still trying to figure out is how necessary the Apple Watch is as a companion to the iPhone. Um, and it's interesting because... Like before I had an Apple Watch, um, it was tough for me to give anyone advice in saying, should I buy one? Um, but now that I have one, I feel like it's indispensable for notifications. I, yeah. I, um, I spoke about this on my podcast. I was running the public beta, um, and one of the builds of the public beta broke Apple Watch compatibility. So no <laughs> notifications were coming to my watch. And they all of a sudden all of a sudden came back to my phone and I was like, I haven't had my phone buzz in my pocket in months. And it was so jarring. And I was like, Oh, I don't like this. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't like this experience one bit. So now when people ask me, should I buy an Apple watch? I tell them, listen, this is the benefits for me. Um, but you know, for someone who's never had an Apple watch, they may, they may not see the value. Maybe that's why the Apple watch isn't selling probably as well as Apple would like it to. Um, and I think it's still very young as a product and it's got, oh, you know, it's just got a lot more generations to go to, to really kind of solidify its place in the lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the iPhone is, is going to be for many people, their constant Apple product. What I think about the iPhone is that it is like you were saying, Joshua, the device you always have on your person, even when you forget your watch. I haven't done that yet. I've had the Apple watch now on just about every day. The only day I didn't have it on since I got it last May was this one time when the battery died. And I realized that would look pretty dumb to raise your wrist to a black screen and stare at it for two seconds thinking, what the heck is going? Oh, right. It's dead. And so I took it off that day. <laughs> and then like you, Joe, it felt really frustrating not to have the notifications on the watch that day and to keep pulling my, you know, my phone out of the pocket. That's why I felt that the expense of the watch was justifiable because of the notifications alone. I think a lot of people had a high expectation that the watch could run faster because the demos in the stores do 
If you look at the Apple Watch on display and you try to, you know, toy with messages, emails, the activity trackers and the like, you can get those apps on the demo models to run really fast. And I'm not exactly sure why this is. I guess it has to do with what kinds of information they include on the demo models that they run really fast. App switching is quick. Loading is quick. And I think that that's the expectation we all had. And I certainly thought, well, even if it doesn't run this fast on day one, I was sold on the pitch that it has the core benefits of getting all of the notifications off of your pocket watch and onto your wristwatch. And then second to that with the healthy activity tracker, I need that reminder and the little incentive of reminders and little, you know, rewards or awards as corny as they may be, but they come straight from Johnny Ive. So that makes me feel pretty special to know <laughs> I, I got up 12 times today from my desk in an hour. Yay! You know, th- th- that's pretty fun. And so the watch to me is just, I, I'm going to have a watch anyway. I mean, think about it. If you are questioning whether or not you need the Apple watch, ask yourself, do I need a watch watch like a dumb mm. watch? Do you need a dumb watch? And if you're one of the people that is convinced, yes, I do want to have the time with the flick of a wrist, then now ask yourself, do you want to have a dumb watch that just tells you the date and the time, or would you like that thing on your wrist to have a few more features? If you just wanted to have two or three other features, then you have to go with a smartwatch. Very true. And I don't mind if you buy an Android watch, you know, do it, but you can do some other things on your wrist. And it's great because you get less distractions on the phone. So I I think it's indispensable at this point. I don't know that I would run out and buy Apple Watch 2, but I I really do appreciate what Apple set forth here, that it is taking care of notifications, activity tracking, and it does tell the time. So the first two things I mentioned are actually bonuses. So then what about these combinations of these days, if I was talking about the, the Apple starter kit for the modern man and woman, I would say get an iPhone and a Mac, and that's what my wife uses. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a perfectly good starter kit. Even if you go at a Mac and like one of the iPhone Pluses, then you almost take care of the, the tablet type of experience as well and then you have the mac side of things when you want to do something more powerful but yeah i, I would agree the starter kit is definitely starts with an iphone and a mac and and that's nice because it covers the most bases of both extremes whereas the ipad and the watch feel more like extras so to speak they just kind of do like they're not as essential mm-hmm. we're only going to look at a wrist a couple of times a day and we may only get to the tablet a couple of times a day at, if at that but then again this is where a lot of people are split between the ipad pro and a new macbook because they want the ipad pro to carry all of the power user features and you were saying earlier joe how you were using the early ipad as a, a power tool in the lieu of ha- having a mac I think Mm -hmm. that you did that because you really wanted it to. I was using an external keyboard from the very first generation iPad, and I really wanted it to work that way as my personal computer. I think that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like if I had the iPad Pro back when I was really into using the iPad as my main device, I who knows if it came out earlier, I probably would be using that more often. Um, it just so happens that like when it came out now, I've kind of been back in the Mac swing of things. Hmm. And the thing about Macs that's really nice is the intensive work. Like having a real physical keyboard, no questions asked all the time. Having a, ma- an, a mouse makes a world of difference sometimes. And then also having the pro applications where you have, I don't know, like a more familiar uh, interface. I imagine you could do most anything you want to in Safari or Chrome on the iPad that you could do on a Mac. But it, I ha- it, hasn't, it hasn't felt native to me just yet. Like, where are my bookmarks? Oh, yeah, I have to tap on this thing. It introduces a dropdown, and here are my bookmarks. Oh, and yeah, there is my reading list. Like, I don't know. They just, it doesn't feel as ingrained in my memory yet as using the exact same features on a Mac. 
So just like app switching on the Mac, using command spacebar, type in an app name, and you've launched the app. Whereas on the iPads and iPhones, you know, it always takes a couple of taps and a couple of presses to get to the other apps. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different, but I, it, it is streamlined on the Mac. So that is one of the reasons I think that the iPhone and the Mac belong in the starter kit. Hmm. So what about the people, though, that use something like a Mac, an iPhone, and an iPad, or a Mac, an iPhone, and a watch? Any advice for them? Get a good job that makes lots of money. <laughs> That's pretty much... <laughs> I, I think it's almost a matter of, uh, at that point, you know, which... You know, which one is going to give you more value? Are you someone who gets a lot of notifications? Are you someone on the go who really needs to be able to just take a look at their next calendar appointment at a glance? Then the Apple Watch is going to be a great addition to your workflow. But if you're not that type of person, if your iPhone is not really used in that way, if you're really the type of person that's just checking social media, making phone calls and, and text messaging, um, then you may see more value is getting the iPad for your kind of third device because that's going to give you a better kind of at-home experience when you're on the couch and you don't want to either go to your desk to the iMac or open your portable laptop. It's just really quick. You know, you can go and you can almost like, like you said, almost do anything that on a Mac. Um, but it's just in a nice, it's just in a nicer experience for lounging. Um, so I, that, that's, that's a tough, uh, one to give advice for it. It really, I would say depends on the person at that point. I, th I think if you do a lot of traveling, you wind up with a MacBook, And then if you want to do anything, you, if you had an iPad and a MacBook to choose between, I think I would, if it were me, I'd wind up on the MacBook. But then if I had an iMac and if I could work everything, if I could work out my schedule, my life around when I'm at the, the iMac, I use it for the things that I have to have a Mac for. And then I had an iPad, any model, I'd be happy to use any model as practically my personal computer, whether it's in my living room or at the coffee shop or while traveling that I, I, I think I could handle that. So if I had to make a choice between the Mac, iPhone, and watch, or the Mac, iPhone, and iPad, I'd honestly be kind of torn between the two because I, I can respect an iPad as your primary personal computer. Can't imagine using it for my work, though. So I would mm -hmm. probably wind up with a Mac, iPhone, and watch if I had to make a choice between these two combinations. Yeah, I think I would make the same choice as well. Mm. Okay, well then what about the fruitcakes out there that have Macs, iPhones, iPads, and watches? Yeah. So the, I, <laughs> it's funny. I, I do currently have Mac, a Mac, an iPad, an iPhone, and a watch. So I, I guess you can call me a fruitcake. We fell far from the apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, is like things are at things are more important to keep up to date. So like my iPhone is the latest iPhone. My iPad, like I told you, is is a couple generations behind. It's the original Air, um, and then I got the first gen Apple Watch, um, and I think. It is when you have more devices, it is harder to really balance out what you're going to use each device for. You almost come to a, a crossroad where you're like, do I have too many devices? And that's um, when you start to wonder just how geeky you actually are. And uh, yeah, and, and it's that's worth it. And I think I'm going to gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to be at this, uh, this stage I, for a while because my iPad, I still don't really plan to update. I, I think I'm still going to keep this original Air because I don't use it as much to the point where I have to upgrade it. So like right now, my day-to-day -day is mostly the Mac, iPhone, and the Apple Watch. And sometimes I use the iPad Air. Um, but I definitely think for, you know, the person who, like, I think the traveler is really the best use case for having oh, yeah. a that especially with this many apple devices you know definitely the traveler you know the person who's mostly in one location all day they may not get they may not get the value from each device it's it's not necessary it's not a bad thing to have if you can have these devices by all means but what are you going to what are you going to take away from each device mm. um and that's where in this level of Apple product ownership, you kind of ask those questions. 
I could also see having these four devices, the Mac, the iPhone, iPad, and watch. If you share an iPad or Mac with a spouse or with a child in the family. So maybe you want to use your iPad, but that's at the very moment that your seven-year-old daughter's like, daddy, can I really use the iPad? I really want to use the <laughs> iPad. And so you're like, oh, what are you going to use it for? And she's like, well, I need to use it to take pictures for my science project. And you're like, well, I'm not going to hand you my iPhone. Good thing the iPad's in a case. Here you go, honey. And then you can go back to your MacBook and continue reading or doing whatever you do there. And she's got the iPad for a while. She's preoccupied. It's a win-win. I, and I don't know about giving kids that are younger, you know, four years old or whatever, a device outright as their own. But if you're going to share a device with them to each parent, his own uh, personal choices about what is sane and safe for the child to use and not destroy, I, I don't feel comfortable letting children use my iPhones anymore. So they do use my iPad a lot. And I'm like, okay, you are staying on the couch and that is where you're going to stay. That is where the iPad is going to stay and everybody <laughs> will be fine. <laughs> so I, I can see that'd be another example of why you would use these four devices is when you are sharing them with other members of the family. Going back to you, Joshua, you use the watch, the iPad, the iPhone on a regular basis. Are you seeing any sort of toss up between your Mac and your iPad in the mix? I'm really not at my Mac that much, uh, basically to record and I don't know. I'm just so busy with other, other things. Um, I, I've not used my Mac a whole lot. I'm not sure why I bought this giant Mac, except it's <laughs> just so beautiful. And uh, it's, it's tempting to use it in the family room as a second television monitor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, my, my life is just in such flux right now. I've got so many different things going on. It's not like I'm doing one thing. If I, if I had, I was set in a specific routine and job, uh, maybe I could give a better answer, but you know, things are just really changing fast right now. So the other thing I noticed about having this combination, a Joe is that there's so many things to keep track of for charging and you have to have so many cords. You almost try to say to yourself, like, what do I actually got to bring with me on this trip? Like, do I have to bring each device? So because you want to cut down on keeping track of dongles and chargers and things that plug into walls. And then you have the portable batteries. So that can kind of become a bit of a mess when you have these many, this many devices, um, especially if, you know, now the watch brings a whole nother, uh, you know, you can get away with maybe bringing one lightning cable and, and alternating, you know, the charging between your iPhone and your iPad. Um, but the watch brings a whole nother charger and say you have the new MacBook with the USB charger that's a whole nother thing uh so yeah that could be a bit of a, a problem for some i know i know this is a pie in the sky idea but i wish that the USB-C cord could be used for the iphone and the ipad as well just to have one for all devices it doesn't seem like that's the direction anyone is going right now but i do agree with you carrying one lightning cable one watch cable and one mac cable per trip and the problem there is you're asking for three ports so even yeah. if you can keep track of the cords and you don't leave them in the hotel room then where are you plugging these devices because you're using at least two outlets at the desk in your room and you just hope that there is another set of outlets near the desk, maybe on the lamp and the one in the wall. I don't know. You end up with about four outlets, but then let's say you add your spouse's phone to the mix and then the child, oh, it just gets, it gets hairy. You got to bring some devices. portable battery chargers with you. You got to charge those up before the trip starts and, you know, work your magic and organizing all of your, your big charging station. Uh, it can definitely get kind of messy. Yeah. Then there is the last combination of all the above, including the Apple TV. And I think that the Apple TV is such a unique standalone product that I can see like the iPods of old that a lot of people would just use the Apple TV and not feel any special reason to pick up other Apple devices. And it also works the other way. If you have other Apple devices, you appreciate the brand awareness and consistency across all these devices. If you like the Apple experience on your iPhone, 
you should like it on the TV. Hmm. <laughs> it's it's funny. The Apple TV is it, I I would categorize it as a gateway device. So like yeah. back back when it was the iPod the iPod, um, and if you once you got your first iPod, most most people that was their first Apple product, um, and then it became the iPhone. You know, I remember when the iPhone first became free on contract. The older iPhones, um, my parents got one, and then that got got them into the rabbit hole of Apple, um, and now some. Some people are getting Apple TVs as their first Apple products. I think you made a good point. These products are so consistent in design and user experience that when you jump to another one, it's not that hard to pick up where you left off. Um, and you do have to give Apple credit for that. Um, that's 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 a really good good on them for keeping things as consistent as possible. Um, but with the Apple TV, it does have a lot of competitors um especially if if this if if it's just for a streaming device say you have nothing to airplay to it um you really are in a competitive market for streaming you got the the fire tv stick the fire tv the roku the chromecast i mean it could the list goes on and on um but apple does try to give you the nicest uh, experience out of all of them definitely ui wise Hmm. and this is the lineup i have today because I just got a Mac and I've had iPhones since the 4S. I've had iPads since the first gen. I have had, hey, I've had Macs since 1993. Nice. Yeah, I'm proud of that detail. Now the Apple TV, I came late to the party. And right now I'm reserved about the current generation. So I'm not making an upgrade there. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm satisfied with what we have between Blu-ray players, Apple TVs, and the Fire Sticks. But I see there is so much room for improvements there. And I believe that the pundits are right online. In general, the problem we have here with, that Apple is facing is that they cannot get the content distributors and producers to let them do exactly what they would like. And all, all the different you know, device makers are having that problem. So Amazon's in the same pickle with the Fire uh, TV, so... Yeah, the content deals are really stunting the Apple TV's growth. Um, and uh, like I, I know you, you are like many others who haven't upgraded from the third gen. And to be honest, I can't even make such a big argument for you to upgrade. Um, because if, if there are any crossover listeners who listen to diagnostics and usage, uh, me and Cody have run into so many problems on the Apple TV. They're just these these bugs that that occur you'd expect them to be on a beta yeah exactly and they happen at the worst times and and then apple tv was released with unfinished stuff like they they still don't have a nice remote app for out for it <laughs> and they, they didn't have key a bluetooth keyboard support for it and all this stuff um and it's been really frustrating for whoever got a fourth gen on day one and it, and it's also doubly frustrating because we had to wait so long for Apple to upgrade the third gen. <laughs> um, you would think that they would have really thought it through and they would have crafted this perfect streaming device, but it's just not the case. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I got one pretty much day one, I think. I can't remember. And yeah, the, the first out of the box with no Bluetooth uh, keyboard support or remote was terrible because everything you had to sign in and you all you had to use the sliding back and forth thing. That was terrible. The lack of music, uh, Siri integration, terrible. No podcast app. Uh, Siri in general, you know, you sit, you think you want to play, you know, play this song or play this, uh, this TV show. It, you know, right now I'm r- running into trying to get the kids, you know, favorite cartoon on in the morning, you know, play this cartoon and it will, Sometimes it'll think it's a song and well, you don't have have that in your music. <laughs> well, I know it's not my music and it, it recognized exactly what I said and yet didn't recognize it's on who it's on Netflix. But so I'll say play this particular cartoon on Netflix and then it, it won't know what to do. Then I'll say play this cartoon in Netflix I, and, I, and I can't remember and that and that works. And I can't remember if it's in or on, but it, it <laughs> specifically works with one and doesn't work with the other. So. Well, yeah, there's some issues with with the Apple TV. I'll leave you with one more thing on the Apple TV that shocked me. Um, as I was also trying Siri dictation, and I was asking for it to play a movie, 
And instead of the movie's, instead of one of the words in the movie's name, it actually thought I was using the F curse at it. And it was display, <laughs> and it was displaying the, 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 the curse word on the television. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I, first of all, I didn't say, it didn't really sound, I forget the exact name of the movie or television show I was looking, but it didn't really rhyme with was it, the was F curse. Was it Uncle Buck? I don't know. It wasn't even at, it wasn't even that close. Meet the fuckers. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it would think that I would be cursing at it. And like, what if the kids were in the room? Then they, they're at the age of reading. I mean, it's like, yeah. wow, Siri, you really assume, you really assume some bad stuff of me. I'm a, I'm a little offended. <laughs> well, maybe it's, uh, maybe it knows what you're watching. So I don't know if it's Siri intelligence. Yeah. I, who knows? Well, in conclusion, the the basis for having the five devices for me is twofold. It has to do with what I want to get done and where I'm at at the time. In general, I want to work on my Mac because I feel the most productive there. I can get some of the productivity done elsewhere when I'm away from the desk. So I'll pull open my to-do lists or my schedule on my iPhone and iPad as need be. But on the Mac, when it's convenient, I'm far more likely to use those tools. The same goes for any kind of audio and video and graphics editing that I want to do. There are so many interesting, clever things that are being done on the iPhones and iPads now. Hey, you can edit an iMovie on these devices and all the more power to you. But if you're really knowledgeable about the the comparable apps on the Mac, you'll get a lot more done in a lot less time with a Mac. Even if you're stuck with something like the 12-inch MacBook, it's going to give you more bang for your buck than the iPhone will when it comes to video content editing or audio editing. And there is the um, well, there is a new app that people are using to edit podcasts on the iPad, and I believe in that cause. I think that there will come a day when the convenience factor on these tablet devices is going to be on par with the Mac, but we just aren't there yet. So it boils down to convenience of where I am at. I want to be at the desk on my Mac. I want to be on the go on my phone if I'm walking or standing. If I am seated away from my desk, say in a lounge chair, in a lobby, or anywhere else, I want to be on my iPad. And then if it boils down to I only have seconds to spare, I'm on the watch. And then if I'm watching real content, like movie content or documentaries, I want to be on my Apple TV. And that is why I have all five, because in certain contexts, each device winds up offering the richest experience for this particular task. So, I mean, no one would ever dream of, hmm working on an Apple TV. I mean, just you know, put something out there that's ludicrous. And so the th- <laughs> same thing goes for like, you wouldn't go to your Mac just to check on the time, you know, or at least I'd hope not, unless you've got one of those <laughs> screensavers. I don't know. That's, that's my context driven strategy. All right. Well, I want to say thank you, Joe Kayati. Great to have you. And I agree with your contributions. So Good for you, sir. You got an A plus for this episode. <laughs> it's great to be back. Thanks for having me back on. It was my pleasure. Well, thank you very much for joining us again. This is the end of episode 50. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes with links, you'll find them at tectonic.fm slash 50. If you want to chat with us, the show is at tectonic.fm on Twitter. Our guest is at Joe Kayati on Twitter. I'm at JCS Darnell. That's J.C.S. Darnell, my initials. And my co-host is Joshua Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer is spelled P-E-I-F-F-E-R. And you can send feedback and questions via email to hello at tectonic.fm. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic. Goodbye.